All right. Uh, welcome. Good evening. Uh, guten Nacht to Comic Talk. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. As always, we are here to talk about uh, this week's releases uh, with comics. Uh, yeah, audio is looking good. Uh, but, you know, it's boring if I just do it alone. It's not a one-man show. Come on. Um, so instead of normally two guests, this week we got three guests because it's a special week uh, and uh, static number one is out and we really want to talk about it. So we got, uh, you know, got one extra and it's all good. Uh, to my right, we got Lex from Wednesday Poll. Lex, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, it's been a it's been a couple weeks since I had you on the show. Yeah, yeah, it has been a few weeks. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, you you only read comics for this show, right? Like you don't read comics normally. Just for the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a busy nah, week. Got, Had a lot of yeah. catching up to do. Yeah, you got you uh, you read a lot, man. Like you were you were telling me, you read a lot. Yeah, this week I didn't get to as much as I wanted to, but I, I did some some pre-reading, so, uh, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, how's Wednesday poll going? It's going well. It's going really well, actually. Um, yeah, it's been going pretty well for the past few months, so no no exciting things happening anytime soon, though, but we've we crossed that 100 episode mark. That was a big deal, and then uh, we're just still going strong, so thanks for All asking. Right. Yeah, no problem. Um, luckily, I have the displays up for anyone who wants to follow any of our guests on their social media. Uh, and then we'll do, like, plugs at the end. But uh, just wanted to, you know, introduce you. Wait, we're going to plug throughout? Because I uh... well, Just con constantly. Every 15 minutes, we'll have a little commercial a commercial break, uh, so to speak, uh, about what we've been up to. Uh, who's that talking place. right now? Uh, <laughs> below, below Lex, to my right and down one, is Gil Barron, producer Gil Barron. Gil always has stuff uh, to talk about. Um, we have big shows this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you 20 seconds, Gil. Well, what okay. do you got? So uh, I produce a show called Your Late Night Show Tonight. It's a late night talk show where uh, comedians come and every month is a different comedian hosted. This month, the host is Harvey Guillen from What We Do in the Shadows and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And his guest is Doug Jones from Star Trek Discovery and, and, uh, and a million other things. So you got to go to Rush Ticks and check it out and buy tickets because it's going to be an amazing show. I I cut your audio like three seconds in. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, uh, I, I felt bad when you started to like speed talk. I'm like, this was not what I was going for. That wasn't the joke. <laughs> were you, were you, impressed? To, you were impressed that I, I could I, do it though. I'm impressed. And then I felt bad that like, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm making Gil really work for it. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, we'll have we'll have multiple opportunities to to do what we need to do. But um, I'm I'm happy for what's going on with you uh, and your work. So thanks for coming on the show. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, uh, and last but not least, we got guest from last week. Last but not least, we got the guest from last week. We got Manny Batista. Manny, how you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited. It's a big week in comics for me. So. It is. Stuff. It is. Uh, that's why we got one extra person because you know, uh, you know what the show is missing is is a bunch of geeks talking over each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what we're really missing. It's the it's it, you know it's the the lifeblood of uh, of of podcasts and geeks in general. It's just that talking over each other. Um, 
but Manny, I'm, I'm happy to have you back, man. I'm uh, glad to be back, man. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. Thank you for wi- yeah, no being problem. willing to have me a second time in a row. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I got, I had to crunch the numbers. It was real hard. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we can pull this. Can we pull this off? Can we do a four-person comic talk? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, for anyone out there who is watching, you could be watching on one of our four streams. We are streaming to four different platforms. That being said, our main platform is volume.com slash the king show now you may be asking yourself what's volume.com volume.com is a new streaming platform uh dedicated towards musicians artists uh uh uh, performers uh so on and so forth we are the niche geek Mm -hmm. content uh we are the keeg uh here so that's what we offer uh none of us uh most likely none of us are going to be busting out a guitar and playing um taylor swift but you know one can hope you never know yeah uh we're we're here uh we are going to be talking about this week's releases of comic books whether it's dc whether it's marvel whether it's independent publishers like boom studios or idw or dark horse image so on and so forth so we got a lot to talk about we have a hundred people watching us on volume.com slash the keeg show if you're not on volume.com uh no worries you don't have to join us here but you know if you want to be part of the chat that's in that right hand corner of the screen volume.com slash the keeg show is where you want to be create an account and chat with us. Cause I want to know what you guys are reading. If you guys are reading anything and if you guys have any questions for us, let us know. We got Wally two, six, four, um, yelling out Manny. Uh, we got some, some guy named GJ Baron putting, putting links in the comments. So, you know, uh, if you guys uh, find those links interesting, click on the link. Or I think you got to like copy and paste it, but still. Um, you got to copy and paste them. But make sure you go to rushtix.com to get your tickets for your late night show tonight with Harvey B. <laughs> and with uh, special guest Doug Jones. It's going to be really special. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Something that I've been asking everybody, and I want to know if it's changed. Uh, and also for first time listeners, uh, they might want to know if they haven't like heard any previous episodes. If you only had, let's just say, money or time to read one series a month, most of the time that means like one issue a month, unless it's Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, if you had one series a month that you have to read, what would it be? What would be the one that you cannot do without? Who do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with you because you were talking. <laughs> uh, if I had money for only one series a month right yeah. now, I think that the book that's giving me the most joy, that I feel the most special and like it's really going someplace, is probably Nightwing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I it, didn't, it, it didn't hit my number one uh, this week on our top 10 list, but mm-hmm. um, but as a whole, I think it is sort of the the book with the most forward momentum that kind of knows what it's doing and it's giving me all the great nostalgia that I'm looking for. Yeah, Nightwing's really good right now. Uh, I just put up three three covers, uh, the main cover plus two variant covers. I've been trying to do that. Just show off more covers. There's amazing art on these covers and in the book itself. Um, And it's really a return to form, uh, which we'll get to uh, uh, exactly what the plot and premise of this new run uh, is in a little bit. Uh, okay, Nightwing, that's a good choice, Gil. Uh, Lex, if you had to pick one, what's right, your so, one um, series? 
so Gil made it easy because it was a toss-up. It's a toss-up between a few books, but I'm gonna go with uh Seven Secrets from okay. from Boom. It's yeah. a book that I picked up late, but I got just wrapped up in the story, and it's it's been uh one of the most entertaining reads I've had in a long time. So I'm gonna go with seven secrets for right now. If I had to pick one, that's that's a really tough question though. Yeah. Because we're all used to reading multiple comics yeah. uh, a, a month. Well, multiple comics a week. Like, the amount yeah. of reading we're all doing, if it's for this show or just just because, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot. there's a lot of comics out there. And it's kind of overwhelming for, like, new readers uh, out there to, like, figure out how to read the comics, where to start, mm-hmm. do all that stuff. So if anyone out there has questions for us, uh, 160 people on volume.com watching us right now. Uh, if any of you guys have any questions, create an account. It is free. You can join the chat then and then talk with us uh, like some of these people here. Uh, ask us questions if you want to know where to start when it comes to comics. Uh, Lemur13 says, hey, I know Manny. He's a he a dope dude that got the best recommendations. He also makes me laugh a ton. Glad to see him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Manny, how much are you paying people? <laughs> Uh, an undisclosed amount. <laughs> uh, Manny, what's your what's your one series? Uh, it's always going to be whatever Black Hammer series is current. I love that line of books. I love what Jeff Lemire's been doing. Right now it's Black Hammer Visions, and he's having other people sort of play in the Black Hammer world, and every single issue has been a great little standalone thing. Uh, and, yeah, I'll, I'll buy any Black Hammer thing that comes out. I have all of it. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, I am trying to figure out... Uh, it, it would, uh, I think normally I just say like, oh, an X-Men title, you know, because uh, I love my X-Men and I mean, we're going to get to X-Men too uh, as well. Um, but uh, mm. probably just the, either the main X-Men run, just because it feel, I feel like it matters the most in the X-Men universe or New Mutants, because I love my New Mutants. And with the new run of New Mutants, it's been alternating between, like, multiple teams um, of, of the young New Mutants. And so it kind of goes back and forth. And so, like, you get twice the amount of stories. Oh, man. Like half the amount the, of time. The ending of this week's New Mutants. Oh. Oh, man. That was oh, my man. X-Men book of the week, I think. I think New Mutants was the X-Men book that I think is the most important to read this week. I know Planet Size came out this week, but... Like, that was beautiful to read, but the ending of New Mutants was, like, just a shot in the heart. Just, like, made me say, yeah. oh, my gosh. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. Uh, who here is reading the X-Men titles right now? Is everybody reading the X-Men titles? No. I, uh... Why? My best experience with Hickman is to just uh, binge read it. Oh, yeah, okay. I have, I have a hard time staying... Not entertained by it, but just grasping what he's trying to do. Yeah. So uh, my best bet is to just wait. I did start it all from the beginning this week, though, and I did read Planet Size X-Men just because I thought it looked cool. Yeah. Whew. It was Planet Sized. Um, it was very, yeah, it was very cool. M- Manny, what's your excuse? Did we talk about it last week? Uh, I'm on the exact same boat. I cannot stand reading Hickman stuff in issues. Uh, I need to read it all in one shot to grasp everything at the same time so i'm not waiting forgetting waiting forgetting yeah yeah like i just started east of west uh this past week and i could not imagine reading that monthly yeah just i couldn't 
I find like indie titles better to read as trades because I can get the whole story yeah. and, and do that and kind of throw myself into it because otherwise you kind of forget it. But mm-hmm. it, it, comics are kind of very similar to the way like TV shows are released uh, now because like, for example, like Netflix bulk releases a lot of series, right? They like just put it, they're like, here's a season, go wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then obviously TV is notoriously been week after week, a new episode. And then, uh, certain streaming platforms have chosen not to bulk release, but to release them week after week, like Westworld, like HBO could release a whole season of Westworld, but they're like, nah, let's do it week after week. And I like the week after week thing. Mm -hmm. So like when it comes to Hickman, I like thinking about it and like talking about it in the week's between issues you know also i think it's such a tapestry with all of these different writers like hickman is almost the group editor more than he is the writer you know um Mm. like so so i get what you guys mean but i do feel like every single week there is multiple chapters of this story going on so it's almost like you're reading a trade paperback every week of material yeah and so yeah so to me, it doesn't feel like it's a Hickman thing where, okay, am I seeing the bigger picture? I, it really feels very immersive and very soap opera-y because it's coming at you from so many different directions. Like you find out, you know, where are the mutants kind of, you know, uh, across the universe? Yeah. Right. And I, I, I do I do agree with you. It, for me, it's just, that's a chunk of reading. Oh, yeah. So sure. yeah, oh, so it's yeah. like spread out by multiple books and I just... Uh, I tapped out once they split off into Hellions and Marauders. I was just like, mm, I can't, I can't do that. Oh. Hellions and Marauders are two of the better X Men titles, too. Yeah, like there, there's a couple ones that are kind of nothing, right? Um, Which ones would you say are nothing? Children of the Atom has not like grabbed me yet. Yeah, um, especially because they're dragging out the mystery of who they are and they're what... dragging it out. Yeah. yeah. Um. What else? There are some, uh, I mean, Way of X is cool, but it's like take it or leave it. Um, right oh, I was really excited about that first issue. The second one I thought was just okay, but like, I'm interested in whatever's going on. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love seeing Nightcrawler lead a book. You know, uh, he's, he's going through a lot right now. Um, but before I get to that, I just want to answer a question from Arslick. Uh, Slick is asking, if possible, can you all explain how to go about reading newer X-Men adjacent titles, like which series names? So here's the thing. Like, I've been operating on the fact, like, I thought it was 12 X titles a month. There's 14 X titles a month. Jesus. I, I recounted I it. I was like, 12? Because it was, it was, I thought it was going to be three per week for four weeks, and that's Hellfire Gala. But there's 14 titles for Hellfire Gala. And... Like, if you want to know where to start, this new run starts with House of X, Powers of Ten. I call it House of X, Powers of X, but it's Powers of Ten. Hawksbox is sometimes mm-hmm. called. Um, and you start with that, Arslick, and, uh, I mean, all all the titles do kind of weave together. Gil's kind of right with that. So... It is kind of an undertaking, but you don't have to read. You can just stick to one title and hit the main events. So House of X, there's a bunch of titles. Then it goes to sword, uh, X of Swords, 
and then a bunch of titles or a bunch of months and then Hellfire Gala is where we are right now, right? Roughly? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, we're just in the middle of Hellfire Gala, which is all of the books are taking place on the same night, um, which is kind of amazing. And like, I think X-Men kind of gave you a fast forward to the end of the night and was like, oh man, that was crazy. And like every book after that has been like, catching you up to see what exactly happened. And the big announcement that the X-Men made, that the mutants made, was what happened in uh, in Planet Size X-Men this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we can give it away. Read I don't that know. One, right? mm-hmm. is, that, yeah. is that okay to spoil? Manny, you didn't right. read it, right? No. Okay. And anybody out there, uh, we are talking about this week's comics, so there will be spoilers. But luckily... By the time next week rolls in and you come back for Comic Talk, you're already going to forget about what we talked about this time. So uh, our goal is to get you guys interested in hopping on that train. Um, Planet Size X-Men did come out this week, as long as well as New Mutants and X-Corp. Oh, X-Corp, I can take it or leave it. Uh, though this issue was kind of cool. but um, This is only issue two. I like the first one a lot. I wasn't so interested in the first one, but... Eh. Okay. Let's talk about Planet Size X-Men. Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Let's go Lex. Lex, what, what, what'd you gather? Having uh, only read Planet Size X-Men and, you know, however well, much you I, read I, before I, that. I read uh, House of X and Powers of Ten originally, okay. but then I, I stopped once they split yeah. off into the multiple books. Uh, it was really cool. I can say that. I didn't have a lot of context. Uh, I've been vaguely keeping up just through... Uh, people in our community about what's going on with the X-Men. So um, it was cool. It was really cool. It was a huge yeah. X-Men flex issue. <laughs> that's, Ew. That's, oh, it was so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, essentially, essentially, uh, if anyone wants to know, uh, basically with House of X, Powers of X, the X-Men have their own mutant island nation of Krakoa, and then in Swords of X, they realized there was a twin island with a bunch of other mutants that kind of remind me of Inhumans because they literally mm-hmm. don't look human at all because yeah. they diverged. Um, Araco, Araco, I think. And yeah. in this planet-sized X-Men, they literally colonized Mars so that and then moved all the Araki. It's they're called Araki, but it sounds like Araki. Anyway, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, they moved them all to Mars. So they literally have colonized Mars and given them a breathable atmosphere and a spaceport and like buildings. And they just, they used everybody's powers together mm. to do different things to essentially terraform Mars. Um, yeah. And that's and even, the big thing. Even that I feel like is an underselling of like how they did it. It's just oh, like yeah. it, it, that he, it, it was insane how they brought this planet to life. Oh Yeah. <laughs> But like, there's more than that even because yeah. yeah. the the very end of the book, the uh, big the big like reveal of it was that they declared Mars or Planet Araco or whatever they called it, yeah, the capital of the solar system. Mm-hmm. Right. They declared themselves the capital of the solar system over Earth. Yeah. Right. That's and they said like anyone who's coming into the solar system, you have to stop at Mars first. <laughs> yeah. And they, they say if you're entering Mars, you can only enter the one spaceport and not venture outside the walls of what they had built because that is uh, a rock. 
Iraqi culture. No, no, no. I mean, it's still terraformed. But oh, it's all terraformed. The, uh, the, yeah, it's all terraformed. But the Iraqis, the, or let's just say Iraqis, because then maybe mm-hmm. that just sounds less like from Iraq and more from Araco. Anyway, mm-hmm. the point being is uh, they have like a warlike culture and their culture isn't working with Krakoa, which is one of the reasons why they had to push them off planet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you venture outside the, the Citadel or whatever on uh, Mars, you ha- you're going to die, essentially, because yeah. they'll just kill you. Um, I mean, this wild. is a big step forward for, for the X-Men titles. Yeah, it was a great moment between um, Captain America and Cyclops. Like, I, some of my favorite parts weren't even all of, like, the terraforming of Mars. Some of it was that that sort of countdown of them realizing they had to move these people or these mutants and then like them just scrambling. And within a certain amount of time, within a week's time, they <laughs> make Mars livable. You know, Steve Rogers right. says, Hey man, we noticed this popped up. I'm not going to bother you about the specifics. I just need to know if it's going to stay here. And, and Cyclops is like, ah, ask me again in a few days. And then in a few days they're on freaking Mars. <laughs> Yeah, well, well. Here, here's the weird thing about Cyclops and Steve's conversation was, was Cyclops was like, "You'll see at the Hellfire Gala. Are you coming to yeah. the Hellfire Gala?" And and Steve was like, "I wasn't gonna come, but yeah. now I'll come," which was mm-hmm. kind of a dick thing to say. Like, he's right? always been sort of a dick to the X Men, though. I'm I'm only yeah. coming because I know you're a threat. Is essentially yeah. what I'm saying. But you know, yeah. so let me ask you guys this: as storytellers, as writers. Do you think that the terraforming of Mars is a repeated beat to the establishing of Krakoa? That's kind of what I felt reading it. Like, it is, like, the bigger stage. It is the bigger thing. But, like, how are humans going to react to it that they haven't already reacted to Krakoa? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, how much different can the reaction be to taking over Mars than it would have been to the establishment of that state. Right. From a storytelling perspective. From a story um, storytelling perspective. Like, obviously, it is bigger. It's, uh, it's, it's whatever. It's heightening it, but it's not emotionally hiding it, heightening it, right? Because we don't really know the mutants from Morocco. I mean, we know their, we know their, their names and powers and stuff, but, like, we haven't connected any of them. None of them are, like, right. our entry point character. So, like, What's what's the difference? Uh, I mean, I have some ideas. I don't know if Lex, if Lex no, has when, some ideas. When I was reading it, uh, it almost felt like a write-off of those characters. Like, I know it's not. I know it's going to be part of a bigger story beat. But it seemed like just getting them off-world in this grand way um, as sort of a distraction to just pause that part of the story for a little bit. I don't know exactly. Again, I you know I haven't read a lot up until now, but it just seemed like that from reading on the outside in. Yeah, um, my thoughts is there's two ways to deal with enemies. What that you can't kill, I guess. Uh, two ways. One is you keep them close so you can keep an eye on them, and the second mm-hmm. one is you exile them. So I definitely think there's going to be a push from the humans and the other countries now that like the humans can't take away Mars. Like, they don't have the power. What they can yeah. do is push the Krakoans off of Earth to and Mars, say, yeah. go to Mars. And I think that that makes the difference. You just move all the mutants to Mars. And obviously the mutants don't, like, 
Krakoans don't want to move to Mars, right? I feel yeah. like there's going to be... Don't they? I mean, why, why wouldn't they? If it's well, a paradise, it's, if it's terraformed, if it's away from all these humans that cause them so much trouble, why not? I feel it's because, like, it's mostly, like, Mars was a gift to the Araki, you know? So I don't think they're going to take that back. They mentioned that now it's debts paid. Mm-hmm. And so I think Mars is specifically for the Araki, and we'll see how they govern themselves. Uh and whether they start, like, whether the Araki and the Krakoans will go up against each other and make, and, like, essentially do an Earth versus Mars thing, I don't know. Like, this is, this this issue has taken X-Men to a science fiction, like, extreme. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm all for it, as long as that's not the only thing that X-Men is about from this point onwards. Mm-hmm. It's been very sci-fi for the last few months. I mean, you remember a few issues ago when Sink and Wolverine fell in love for a thousand years and in a suspended reality, and then you're telling me, of, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, that's about as yeah. crazy sci-fi as I can imagine. That's you know, that's yeah. 2001: A Space Odyssey. You know, so it was crazy. Yeah, Manny, how how is this as someone who didn't read it? How is this sounding to you? <laughs> Uh, so for context, I read House and Powers of X, and then I stopped okay. because I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm good." Uh, yeah, but from the outside, it seems like Hickman could be setting up for a couple of things. That being the mutant versus mutant war, or the mutants are staying, the rest of the mutants are staying on Earth as a power move. Because from House and Powers of X, it seemed like they were very much like, "We want to let you know that no matter what you think of us, we are in charge." Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah having Krakoa stay on Earth and not go to Mars with him seems very seems very much like a, just in case you guys forgot, you know. Right. Uh, it also seems like when America has military bases in other countries, but mm. no other country has a military base in America, like, Krakoa's yeah. here on Earth for a reason, right? It's, it's, oh, wow. it's that flex. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, I mean, there's big things that are happening. Um, and, and this is obviously scaring the Avengers and it's scaring, uh, uh, all the other countries and Lex, like you said, like cat, like the Avengers, uh, never really stood up for the X-Men. No, they don't have a good history. No. And I'm, I'm pro X-Men in that, in like between the two. Yeah. You know, um, like, yeah, the the Avengers are are always, Oh, what? Clearly, the allegory for marginalized peoples, you know, yeah. and like the establishment of a country, you know. Look, I know this is controversial, but we had this conversation last time I was on the show. Like, if you're not seeing Krakoa as an allegory for Israel, like, you're not getting it. Like, there is some stuff there. Like, oh, the people that everyone hates, yeah, we're going to establish a country and we're not going to give a fuck what you think. Like it's kind of it's there, and uh, and I know that a lot of people are skipping entirely over it. Mm. Uh, I don't trust Xavier and Magneto. No, and no way. That sucks. Yeah, I, want I don't to trust Xavier. Gosh, that's a new thing. Not <laughs> Professor X. He's always been completely honest and totally trustworthy. Right. Especially right. now, because they they know that they're above everybody, and it's just it seems like they're getting too big. Yeah, and I think that they're going to start alienating the mutants of Krakoa. You know, yeah, because I I think that 
I think they, like, Magneto and Xavier might be getting too powerful mm-hmm. with their power. Not that they're, sure. their, like, ability power, but, like, their connections and just their plans and whatever. And it's yeah. kind of scary. And I, I fear for the other mutants on Krakoa, the ones who actually, like, like, will there be a rift between Cyclops and Professor X again? I don't know. Yeah. Like, how many times are they going to try to check Namor? Like, how many, why are they doing that so many times? That doesn't seem like it's going to end well. The Namor why. scene, I think last week, the Namor scene, I think I did a TikTok on it, uh, where Magneto and, and Xavier, they mm. r- stroll up to Namor being like, hey, uh, you know, just like trying to like mm. butter him up. And they're like, the council will be opening up seats soon. Uh, you should, you, you could have a seat with us. And he's like, I could stroll yeah. up and take a seat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Namor is crazy. Yeah, um, he's, he's so good in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm loving the X titles. I just want to show off, before we move away from X-Men, uh, kind of uh, some of the things. So we had uh, we had uh, Planet Size X-Men right over here, just three little covers of that. And then there were two other books that came out, X-Corp and New Mutants. And I think Gil said, like, New Mutants was a really good uh, uh, read this one. Also, there's a cool... Um, kind of splash panel of them walking around the floor and talking to different people. And Nightcrawler is getting drunk and I'm worried for him because this is right on the heels of way of X two, I think, uh, or way of X three. And he's going through some things and I'm worried, but there was a lot of really good character moments of new mutants. And in the end, when we find out cause shadow King's been on the Island this whole time. And the thing about Krakoa is, like, all the mutant villains and heroes live together. Like, who is to be trusted? And certain characters like Grey Crow have been good because they've been given a second chance. But then we got Shadow King. Gil, you want to talk about what you read? What you uh, saw at that? I, you know, I will always prefer a superhero book with quiet moments. I will always prefer a superhero book with character moments and all the stuff with uh, Warlock and Doug and his uh, wife was just such a great like heart of this book because we haven't checked in with Warlock yet in a while, especially after yeah. Sword of X or what are X of Swords. Um, and for him to like, it was really a book, uh, an issue about loneliness and it was really great. Uh, and uh, And sort of in the background is this like, rising tension like just sort of they sort of vaguely are like hey you know where's where's gabby i haven't seen gabby Uh, and then you know um and and like i said you know this last two months has been us at the hellfire gala we've all gotten to attend the hellfire gala we've gotten to listen in on people's conversations listen in on all this palace intrigue uh, politics, economics, all this crazy stuff is going on. You know, Kevin Feige and Conan O'Brien were there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and clearly, like, what we're supposed to be excited about is the spectacle. That's what we're supposed to be getting excited about. The idea that right. Emma Frost is going to, like, project a, a fireworks display within people's minds and all the different science fiction things. What, what can we make this character? You know, what can the psychics make these characters do? I think they had like a, they had a psychic orchestra at some point, which was really, really cool. Yeah. That looked amazing. I wish I could have heard it. Um, 
And here we are now at the end of Hellfire Gala, and you knew that they were going to pull the rug out from under you, but to do it in like such a great, emotional, surprising, shocking way, I just think, uh, you know, home run for me, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And, you know, it pays off the last, I want to say, four or five months of New Mutants, where Gabby's been going around being like, you know, Shadow King, like, He's not to be trusted. In this issue, it had a there was a handwritten letter, or I guess it wasn't handwritten. It was more like typed in cursive font from Gabby. Who, if people don't know, what's her character name? Honey Badger in the book. Honey Badger. She's uh, Honey no, no, Badger. Scout. Scout. Is she Scout? Okay, I thought she was Honey yeah. Badger. Um, I, I don't know. Okay, well, Gabby, who is the third clone of Wolverine, he is. She is. Uh, Laura, Laura, who is X-23, Laura's little yeah. sister, who was raised as an assassin, um, but is essentially like a preteen girl, couldn't be more than nine or ten years old, and writes this this letter, it's typed in cursive, and it's just, it's so heartbreaking, because it's, it's a letter to Laura, who is X-23, slash Wolverine, and it's just like, I miss us, we used to hang out all the time, and I'm sorry if I did anything wrong, but I love you. Like, it was just like, I, I loved it. So, yeah, uh, yeah t- top yeah. of my X-Men list this month, for sure. Uh, she starts off as Honey Badger, but now she goes as Scout. According to this Marvel database. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was a really good, really good one. Um, I'm just going to show off a couple pictures of the uh, uh, pictures of variant covers that came out this week for X-Men. Uh, we got the uh, character designs because everybody has like a fashionable, fashion forward, cool. avant garde outfit. Um, we got magazine covers right here uh, that you can see Storm and Magic and uh, M, um, who's been who's been awesome. Um, okay, that those are the covers there. Uh, okay, these are designs off of X Corp, and then. We got some runway pictures. So um, as we move away from X-Men, I want to ask uh, Manny, uh, what was one of the big books that you read this week? Static. Static is finally out. Milestone, the Milestone Return stuff is happening. I'm super excited yeah. about it. Uh, this was the first issue, which felt more like an issue two, uh, because it's... Yeah. It, yeah, it's directly off the heels of the... Milestone Returns Infinite Edition number zero or zero infinite edition. A super long title yeah. uh, that came out a couple of months ago, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So I definitely had to go back to that for a little bit and zoom through that just to uh, get refreshed. Uh, but other than that small rep, I really love this first issue of Static. I think that Vita is doing a great job of exploring uh, Static's immediate reactions to everything that's happened to him. It's It's a lot less about because uh, we, we haven't even gotten to like the, the superhero stuff yet. This is this is more about static reacting to the to the Big Bang, static reacting to his new powers and how he uh, almost freaking killed a guy. Uh, even how this has made his personal relationship cha- relationships change. We see that in his interactions with his friends in that uh, juxtaposing the two family dinner scenes from uh, before the Big Bang and after the Big Bang. Uh, also, uh, Nicholas Draper, Ivy, and Criss Cross on art kick ass. Yeah. 
very excited about that. It's, yeah. it's really, it was real good. It, it, I, I had high expectations of it, and it pretty much lived up to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they've got coming out from the rest of the Milestone Returns line so far. Yeah, it definitely starts in the thick of things, and and maybe a rest, right? Like, yeah, uh, there's a story before this, and there's going to be stories after this, and it leaves you wanting more. Uh, Lex, you read Static, right? I did. I did. I was very excited for it. And I'm, I'm like many, I, my, my expectations were extremely high. Uh, it was good. Uh, there's, I love Nicholas Draper, Ivy, but I just, I wasn't the biggest fan of his work in this one. And I think I was just too, uh, reading it too critically. I did once I, you know, once I, I read it a second time and I can appreciate sort of how stylized it is. Um, there were just some really, really loose parts that I couldn't get past. Yeah. Story, story-wise though, it was amazing. Um, I do love how it was like a issue two, issue 1.5, because it continues straight from that milestone returns, uh, rebooting the, his origin story for more of a modern time. Uh, it really raised the stakes at the end, too. That caught me off guard, especially because I've read so much Static. I thought that it would just be one of those refresher books, but it, it really caught me off guard. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And one, one thing I really liked about it was, in the original book, he comes from sort of a strained family. Uh, at the beginning, you don't really see or hear anything about his dad. Uh, this one, they flipped it, and he has a very strong household and I, and I loved that they did that his family dynamic was strong and, and even though they switched from before the accident and after the accident they were still there for him even if it was more annoying and he was frustrated I really appreciated that strong family dynamic that they added mm. so it was a good um, I'm excited for the next issue yeah uh I definitely want to see more of it just because yeah there wasn't any like super super heroics uh but I do like the fact that they set up that essentially the cops fired the gas canisters into a uh, a BLM protest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and, nuts. like that's that's the spark, and people melted. Like, yeah, because I mean, in real life, those gas canisters they don't. I mean, they don't melt, melt, but like they fuck people up. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like real shit. That's it's it's not a nice like waving goodbye to anyone. Um, R Slick in the comments says, any opinions on the complaint of the lack of humor thus far in uh, uh, static. Does static Definitely something I noticed. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate everyone's thoughts on this because I felt the same way for the most part. I really liked how they, you know, brought in some of the stuff from the cartoon that wasn't in the original series, um, mm-hmm. and kind of like wove all of that together. I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought this issue was kind of hyper dramatic because I think yeah. of Static as a really fun kid. I think of him essentially like. You know, he was sort of the 90s version of Spider-Man. Um, and so I thought this was, like, I finished this book, and like you said, this ending was, like, such a gut punch that it also felt like, this feels a little dark for Static. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't mind him taking a new direction. I am interested in, like you said, it's a reboot of that character, and clearly, like, all of the DCU has rebooted several times. I kind of wish this could have been a continuation. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I do appreciate the retconning of uh, the spark of the Big Bang as 
a BLM thing. It brings it more into the modern age and makes it very relevant. I thought all that is really cool. But I do kind of wish I was seeing, like, the ongoing adventures of Virgil as opposed to, like, seeing the that that old story again, which we've now had twice. He's been rebooted twice. Twice, yeah. So, Right. Yep. You know, I'm past it. I'm with the the milestone book. I'm really excited to pick up is Icon, personally. Mm. Uh, I'm was the interested one. to see how they update. Hardware, Icon. I think it's hardware really is cool. the one I gotta get. I'm so yeah. excited about that one. I loved so, hardware growing up. I was such a huge hardware head. Me too. I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I have not read Milestone. What I know from Static, I know from the 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 cartoon. Yeah, which was big. Uh, and like essentially like like me and like my age people were like the the testing ground right like we were the like the the the, the demographic that that cartoon was like really playing for um and oh thank you so much for the follows uh Kasim and Arslik thank you so much um so static is what I know the cart uh, uh, from and then also when static what when milestone merged with the DC universe back in um. New 52. Whatever, 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pre, it was, it was after Infinite Crisis, I think. Um, and so. Uh, but they never did anything with it, is always the they problem. They never did anything with it. I, Other I than loved... Static being on the Teen Titans, though. Yeah, Static, Static was on the Titans on for a sec. Yeah, but he didn't, yeah. he didn't have emotional moments. He was on the team, right. he was fighting alongside. Yeah. You're not on the Teen Titans until you and and Beast Boy have a heart to heart. You know what I mean? And the fact yeah. that they, they never really got into what does Virgil think about being on the Teen Titans? How does he feel about it? You know, um, yeah. is he having a hard time there? Is he having an easy time there? How does he feel about Robin? Like any of those things, I just want to know. Like I want to get into the inner life of this character, and if they're not going to give us that, then he's just a glorified cameo. You know what I mean? Right. And so, what I'm really hoping from this milestone reboot is to not just appear in the DC universe, but be integrated into the DC universe. I want to see hardware on a team. I want to see icon on a team. I want to see, you know, Virgil get into a relationship with another character and just have conversations. That's all I want. I kind of disagree with that. It's not Uh, merge though. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I kind of want them to stay separate at least for a little while because I want time to really focus and make uh, the people in the modern day give a shit about these characters because it has been so like I really care about all of them because I read all of those milestone books but there's a lot of people who uh, you know saw the static cartoon when they were kids and that's it so I'd rather uh, us take the time uh, establish static as a character that's why again I'm I'm also uh, not a, I also like the fact that they rebooted it because the uh, the original ethos of milestone was to be hyper relevant and I think that continuing on from the 90s series would have been a mistake because that's no longer hyper-relevant. I mean, a lot of it, to be fair, is still in the in the sort of cultural zeitgeist, especially yeah. the, sort of te- the, the stuff that they tackled in those series. Uh, but again, I think that rebooting it for a modern era and making the Milestone characters in their own little bubble, for now at least, because down the line, of course, there will be like another Worlds Collide or something like that. Uh, yeah. But giving those characters the space to just breathe and uh, giving the audience space to just care about them without having to like fucking shove static in like a, a, a young justice or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to, I hate to compare it, but it's sort of like 
Miles got to play in his own universe for a while and be established as a character before they smashed those two universes together. Uh, as far as the humor, I, I noticed that as well because the first issue of Static, he cracks jokes through the entire time, but I just I started to think about how stressful this whole situation is. And this first issue, it, it sort of makes sense for him to not be cracking any jokes because one, he almost died, watched countless people, you know, melt around him. Uh, he really can't talk to anybody about it. And then as well, he's dealing with, you know, being 16. And we all know how bad being 16 sucks. So <laughs> he has to deal with all this stuff. So hopefully it, him as a character lightens up a little bit. From Milestone Returns, it seems like that's uh, him further down the line, and he seems like a lighter character. So I just hope it all blends together. I'm really excited for Milestone to be back, and, and I'm like, Manny, I hope that it gets people's attention and people really grasp yeah. onto it. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was, like, one joke in the whole book, and it almost stood out, almost yeah. being, like, inappropriate. Almost mm -hmm. being like, wait, why are you joking about this? Like, that's almost what <laughs> yeah. felt like... Um, but I mean, I agree with you. Like, as far as realism, that works. I do think that on the whole, because of all those things, you know, soft faces melting and, and everything that happens at the end and the terrible bullying that's going on, they're like really, really violent bullying in the school. Yeah. Um, just the, the whole tone of it felt darker to me than what darker, I'm used yeah. to with static. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, I want to tackle uh, a couple of these comments uh, about Static and, and Milestone. Uh, a couple of things. So first is, Arslick says uh, that that uh, Arslick says that they really like the Icon and Rocket Run, but they're scared what Icon can potentially be nowadays. Because my limited knowledge of Icon is that he's like a Superman analog, but then he's also a Black Republican. And that is some like those two things are the things that I know about Icon. And then there's the rocket, like Rocket being his sidekick and whatnot. But like uh, partner, sir. Partner, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but like, uh, uh, and then yeah, like Icon and Rocket were in the Young Justice show. By the way, Young Justice, the world building in Young Justice, the cartoon, like the fact that they had milestone characters too, that's yeah. crazy. Um, how does I, how can Icon work? I think that's a super fascinating question because being Republican now is like super different than being Republican in the 90s, especially yeah. like this year. So I'm very interested to see how far they push the, 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 sort yeah. of the buttons on uh, Icon because that can be very, very, that can be something very, very, very bad. And in that case, then, I struggle to think how Rocket would even be on the same level as him in terms right. of, like, have any sort of middle ground there. Uh, yeah. I hope that they that they at least try to push the envelope with that a little bit, because if you tone him down too much, then I don't think the book works as well as that idea should. Right. In that case, he's just Black Superman, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, which isn't a terrible thing in and of itself, but now we have two of them right now. We have president superman right and i think we have another we have another of those like multiverse black superman characters I think there's, mm -hmm. there's two right now mm -hmm. um yeah you know who i miss that i wish they would adopt into the milestone world is bloodwind oh yeah bloodwind is such a such a waste of a character man one of the, he disappeared one of the best costumes in comics hands down yeah. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I like I completely agree with you. Obviously, in the '90s, there was sort of a zeitgeisty thing, like in like the post Family Ties era, right? Of like, okay, this person who's a Republican or ho- holds conservative values but can still be in our circle, can still like make sense. Like, okay, we can have a conversation. Clearly we disagree on economics, whatever, but then, but yeah, yeah. Uh, 20, 30 years after. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Even um, in the black community, even in the black community in the nineties, it, it for milestone, it was, it had to be sort of a jarring thing to have this, Superman analog be a Republican. I mean, there's obviously a reason why they did it, but I'm like you guys, like right now it's almost, it's almost maybe a bad call to do it, but I want them to sort of, like Manny said, at least touch on it because that's sort of one of the cornerstones of that character. So if they completely wash that out, then it just seems like a a waste. Like Gil said, it's just Superman. Because when I read the original I feel like they just kept saying conservative, right? Did they yeah. did they say Republican, Republican, or they said conservative for the most part, right? And I think they theoretically still could, or they could, you know, kind of change it to I'm a libertarian, or I believe in these yeah. kind of Ayn Randian uh, kind yeah. of ideas. And I think, you know, as long as you're not yeah. tying it to literal the literal actions of the Republican Party are <laughs> yeah. insane. Um, yeah, like Trump, that. Trumpism. Yeah. You take it away we, from we don't, Trump. We don't need a homelander. Right, I think yeah. that's the big concern. We don't need Homelander. We don't need a black uh, Homelander. Absolutely. No, certainly oh. don't need a black Homelander. <laughs> for sure, black one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as we as we uh, 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 wrap up a little bit of this the static talk, uh, Arslick says uh, that they're conflicted. Static and Teen Titans team ups would be awesome. They would be. Static and Teen Titans did team up, uh, however long ago. So look up the. Um, this was the Jeff Johns tournament. No, it was after uh, that. It was, po- it was post-Jeff Johns, yeah. Because okay. Kid Eternity, it was like Kid Eternity, Ravager, uh, uh, Red Devil, I think. Were, yeah, were that wasn't Jeff Johns? Uh, it was, I think it was right after that. Uh, who, who, who took over that? for Jeff Johns? It was um, the same run. It was the same. Yeah. It was the same volume of Teen Titans. It was yeah. just whoever took over the writing after him. That's the one that like um, Damien shows up for a little bit as well. That does he? Yeah. Uh, quick thing as we as we close this one up is one more thing from Arslick saying that only Milestone will tackle the taboo. Are so here's the question for everybody: Are there things that Milestone? Because keep in mind, Milestone is still owned by DC, but it's in their own Dakota verse. Are there things that Milestone can tackle that DC will not tackle in their universe? Absolutely. Clearly. Uh, very specifically, uh, something that I've talked about before is the idea that there's more than one character of the same race. So not all of them have to be this like beautiful light, bright light, knight in shining armor version of their race because there's different ones. So you can explore uh, sort of uh, different perspectives on the same subject from people of the same race because that's the problem that I've had with a lot of other minority characters is that you can't have differing opinions because if you do. Uh, you're going to be like, we have one Latino character on this team. Why does he fucking suck? You know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are you talking about Vibe? Are you, I, I, like... Well, Vibe doesn't really become a political... Doesn't <laughs> no. really cause politics, does he? <laughs> no, he just break dances and he's from Detroit, right? That was basically Vibe <laughs> back in the day. It'd be great if Vibe and El Dorado could have a conversation and, like, not like each other. 
yeah. yeah, El Dorado needs to be he needs to be more prominent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I think it's it's interesting because uh, the way Milestone was started like is is inspirational. It's it, it it's real world. It's it's well, I mean, it was also on- it was also Blood Syndicate, right? And Blood Syndicate oh, yeah. was about a gang, and yeah, those were not. Cool. Those were not nice characters, and those were not aspirational characters. That right. was a book that was like, these are diverse characters that you are not supposed to want to be, but like yeah. are su- clearly fighting for their own rights and humanity and for their own, you know, freedom and whatever. Like, that's what Blood, Blood Syndicate was. And it's interesting that that's the book that's not coming back. But I wonder yeah, if that's I thought it was weird. Up here. I thought it was weird too. I think that yeah. they're probably going to save that for whatever season two is going to be because that's going to yeah. be the more controversial book if they do it in any in any way that they did before because again it's it's a it's a gang of minority characters you have to be really yeah. uh, especially now you have to be very uh, uh, delicate with how you how you sort of work that yeah, yeah you'll, get, you'll get it from all sides for sure. <laughs> Look, gangs aren't quite in the zeitgeist the way they were in the 90s, right? I don't think mm-hmm. people talk about them anymore um, the way they did then. But, like, it was a superhero book about a gang, like a straight-up South yeah. Central gang. That's what it was. Mm. Um, I I remember when I was a kid and I was watching Static, my mom almost stopped me from watching it because mm. she... There was the gang... There, there's a whole gang subplot. Right, even in the first like yeah. like a couple episodes with the gun and whatever, and it's like yeah, uh, uh, that was that's edgy. Well, I mean, let's give that show some credit. Like it was not it was good. Yeah, it, it, it didn't good. cut. Like I mean, sure, it was a kids' cartoon, but like it yeah. did some things, man. Um, I'm interested to see where this is going. I do want a, a jokier static. Uh, and he's coming. He's got to. Yeah. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm just liking the hair. I'm liking uh, like everybody's hairstyles because Nicholas Draper Ivy is doing each hairstyle like accurate something that and he is, diverse. That's something, yeah, that's something that he has nailed, and it's something that uh, that is a big deal for, for just me as like a, a black creator in general. Is for some reason it's really hard for creators to to illustrate it. Uh, Brian Hitch specifically recently came under fire because he drew this super president superman illustration that just looked insane without is that the one you posted yeah where it's it's like the most insane thing ever and he got hell for that and it's just it's good to see someone that is that went all the way with it like he with his book he was he didn't hold back at all so i do appreciate that about him yeah there's a there's a creator tiktok creator freddie freddie's roommate uh, he's on TikTok, uh, uh, and he has a whole series about black hairstyles in cartoons yeah. and drawings. Um, and he he rates them, and it's so it's so good because he's I'll like, have to check that out. Yeah, Freddie's roommate. I'll, I'll I'll send you I'll send you the uh, uh, yeah. his his. Let user. me write that down. Uh, yeah, yeah F-R-E- that's great. Yeah, F R E D D I E S, roommate. Um, his name is his name is. JJ, uh, Freddie is his dog, so his username is Freddie's roommate. But he has a whole series, and people would like throw him like stuff like, "Hey, look up this character in this cartoon," and he's just like, "What is going on?" And, like, <laughs> That's great. He's he's a really cool creator. Um, as we uh, let's see, uh, 
as I'm we do that. Hitch, uh, I'm looking at your post right now where you compare him to Jamie Foxx. That's funny. Oh, <laughs> man. It's, it's so bad. It's it so hurt bad. to see. And I typically like Brian Hitch, too, man. And it's just, uh, it was it was tough. It was tough to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of artists that, like, black hair to them is just, like, like it's, like, like I don't know. Just, like, everybody's just, just drawn the same. Yeah. yeah. It's either, yeah. like, a, a like a high-top fade or, like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. let's move on to uh, uh, some of the other comics. Uh, was there was there another big comic that like came out this week? Um, I mean, Super- uh, Venom, Supergirl, Venom two hundred. But I, you guys didn't read that one. I didn't read. I didn't. It. I didn't read Venom. Manny, did you read Venom? I did not read Venom. Uh, Lex, tell us about Venom, and then we'll move on to Supergirl. Uh, are you guys up? Are you guys keeping up with Venom? I don't want to spoil anything. I, I watched. Uh, I, I read all of King and Black. Uh, it is a it's a beautiful send off to uh, Eddie Brock. He's not dead or anything like that, but it just it's 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 a beautiful send off to him. I really enjoyed the run. I didn't at first, but uh, I like Venom, so I'm I'm gonna read it. It was a good send off to him, and then uh, twists with his son taking over as Venom for the wow. new series, which is oh. a huge, huge, spoil- huge spoiler. So that is a huge spoiler. New Venom. But yeah. I like it. going to be the new Venom. Um, Brian is right? illustrating the new Venom. Yeah, he is a kid. Okay. Okay. He's a kid. Brian cool. Hitch? Uh, I don't know if you... Yeah. I don't know if you ever played the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man game. It was like on GameCube, uh, yeah. PlayStation, probably all those games. And how... Venom was huge in that, consumed over the character's body. It's yeah. sort of like that. Like Venom is just the mass, and uh, Dylan's on the inside of it. So it, it looks cool. I'm excited about it. And again, Eddie Brock is still here. He's just uh, a god now. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's uh, uh, it was it was a good book. I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, crazy, I know Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates is leaving Venom for Hulk. I know that. He is leaving who's him. coming on? Him and Ryan. Who's coming on to Venom? So I'm pretty sure it's um, Brian Hitch and damn Al Ewing. I think is writing. Oh, that's awesome. That's interesting. yeah. Al Ewing rules. So it'll be a, yeah. So those will be. That's a good. They're basically trading because um, he was doing Hulk. Oh. And so they're basically just trading titles. That's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Huh. So I'm excited for both of those books as well. Okay. Okay. Um, who read Supergirl? I read Supergirl. I read um it was an interesting one, and I don't know whether it's something I would have wanted from a Supergirl number one. Um Manny it's very Tom King. Thoughts? That's all that's all that's all I'll say. Oh uh <laughs> is it? It's very Tom uh, King. For me, it's okay. very Tom King. Really? Yeah, nail on the head, Tom King. <laughs> yeah. That, to me, it felt so different than, like, A Strange Adventures or a, or a Mr. Miracle because it was so much less internal for Kara. Yeah. Like, it was, clearly, it was clearly that little girl's story, the one who was avenging her father, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting just in terms of the characterization of Kara because... I I definitely think of her as maybe the most cynical member of the Superman family, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, between 
Like she, she's definitely the one who will like look at Superman and be like, are you sure you can trust this guy? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, it was interesting for me that the setup to the story is she turns 21. She decides to go to a planet with a red sun where she can drink and she goes there alone. Like I, I definitely think of her as the most cynical, maybe the most like mature of the super family, but going there alone seems weird. Like it seems odd not to take Connor or not to take Cal. Right. Or even Jonathan, right? I, I guess Jonathan. I don't think she would drink with Jonathan. That's just my my headcanon. <laughs> uh, I feel like she and Connor would have a really good time together. I feel like Connor should yeah. have been a supporting character in this book. But I he, love Connor. But, yeah. but you know, he's yeah, taken by cool. fucking Suicide Squad for no reason. Yeah. I think that's exactly why this feels like a Tom King book, though. <laughs> this character goes and does something that's extremely sad on her own. Uh because of, I'm sure that I'm sure we'll learn why she's feeling sad about it. Because there's no way that uh, she just decided to go again drinking alone without right, any like pri- something on prior her, happening. On her 21st, she's a social she's character, right? Yeah, I think of her as a social mm-hmm. character. You know, she would take Power Girl, she would take Donna Troy, she would take Barbara. Like these are her friends. Like she knows these people. It's weird not to. Yeah, I feel like are they definitely. Her friends? Uh, in the cartoon, like in, in in this continuity, yeah, are they, they friends? Maybe not in this reality. In the last cartoon, you know, they did that cartoon that was literally Donna Troy, Supergirl, and uh, and Batgirl, and that was fun. I really like that idea that those three have a relationship. Mm. And, and I and, and also there's like a precedent for parties in the like parties amongst the superheroes in the DC universe all the time. Right. Whenever anybody has any something to celebrate, everybody pulls up. It's like a it's a it's a family affair because all the <laughs> heroes care about each other. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. not like work acquaintances. They're they're friends. Yeah. Uh, right. But again, I feel like that's definitely like we're missing some context here that Tom King will explore later. Uh the reason why I like this issue is Bilk was Everly rules. Uh her art is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I was it really is. That was that was why that was what why this was so great for me. It was just a showcase of Bill Quisley getting to do like an alien planet and things like that, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Swords and Sandal. Um, it's it's, it's yeah. a it's a Conan book starring Supergirl. You know. Yeah. That is exactly uh, what. It is. Yeah, I I honestly skipped the first three pages. I could not read all that dialogue. I'm like, because until Supergirl pops up, I'm like, I don't. What do I care? It's super. It's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number one. In the first three pages, she's not there, and it's all this exposition. And I'm like, let's get to the bar. And like at the <laughs> bar, I'm like, okay, now I can like sit back. I can't focus like that. Like if I'm not interested, I don't. I don't know what to do. Um, but uh, it's nice to have a blockbuster Supergirl book, though. I mean, when's the last time she was this high profile a character? When Jeff Loeb was writing her, you know. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um we'll see how this ends up. Cause like in the in the end of this this like the bad guy gets onto the ship, goes away, crypto has an arrow in him. Uh so does she. Kara has an arrow in her too. Okay, like, like this, three, yeah. Yeah, the end of this book like left them in the most dire straits, and I cannot yeah. wait to see how they get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um after let's see, after Supergirl, I know that you guys read a lot of indies. Uh, Lex, did you get a? Did you have a big indie book that you were reading this week? 
that you want to talk about? Oh, your seven secrets. Seven was secrets was good. Uh, seven secrets just continues to be good. It's a, it's all suspense. Hey, there's nothing bad I can say about that book. What's the, what's the a, premise? So the premise is a secret organization that is tasked with protecting and guarding these seven secrets. They're in seven suitcases. You have a, you have a, uh, a holder and basically a protector of all of them. Uh-huh. And, um, and it just talks about, you know, you, you, there are certain rules. You can't be in relationships or anything like that. And one of the new characters, the main character of the story, is born from a relationship between a protector and a holder. Um, and then it just, this all-out war happens, and secrets get exposed or potentially get exposed. And it just kind of follow the mystery of that book. So it, it's been such an interesting read for me because the pacing has been so well. And that's a huge thing for me when I'm reading mm-hmm. new stories. So uh, it's been good. All right. Same question. right. Um, Tom Taylor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Question, Lex. What did you think of the end of this issue? Did you think that that was a cheap reveal? Or did you think yes. this is actually going to go somewhere? No, I thought it was a cheap reveal. That was the first time where I was just like, mm, hopefully next issue redeems itself. But it hasn't. The book hasn't really let me down yet, so I'm hoping. I'm sort of on that same boat. I was. I was also like, I don't know if. I, I, mm. But I'm. I'm yeah, willing to trust yeah. Tom Taylor on this. Same. I've become a huge Tom Taylor fan uh, in recent times, so I'm. I'm putting my faith in him. He's. He's also writing. Writing Nightwing, right? That's Tom Taylor. Yes, yeah, sir. He is. Yeah. Did we all read Nightwing? Because I know that we touched on it earlier and i was like let's wait on it but is it time for nightwing talk absolutely um here let's see i got uh i prepped images for everything um nightwing you know it's it's just like like you just said you know nightwing so when i was talking about like if it was one book on a desert island right now um but i do feel like this particular issue was not the strongest so far, right? Like, it's sort of our third issue of the Tom Taylor run. Um, uh, I thought this was a little bit of table setting. I loved the moment with Tim Drake uh, saving all the kids on the pier and all the stuff, like, you know, the people of, of Bloodhaven come out and all the boats come out. I thought the reveal at the end, uh, just like you said, for the, for the other book, was a little bit, like... Oh, I, I felt a little bit of twist fatigue, I guess I will call it. Yeah. yeah. Like, was that it, was a weird yeah. twist. Wasn't it enough that she was, uh, you know, Tony Zuko's daughter? Wasn't it enough that she was raised by Maroney? Wasn't it enough? Like, and then to get to this reveal just felt like, like, oh, of course. You know, it kind of felt to me like a retread of the Talon, like that storyline where we learned, mm. like, you know, his ancestor was one of the Talons or whatever. I don't know. Uh, like, I don't need all of my heroes and villains to be related to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also very similar because Nightwing and Peter Parker are very similar type characters. Peter Parker has a sister. Nightwing has a sister now. Like, it comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah. I mean, clearly yeah. it's out of nowhere, but it's out of Tom Taylor's head is where it's out of. <laughs> right. Right. Um Though I have to say, though, there was one moment in this book that, like, this type of moment makes me cry. Like, when I see it in movies, when I see it in whatever, it's that moment on the pier 
where Nightwing is like, they have nowhere to go. The kids have nowhere to go. It's burning. They need help. And he, he asks for help from, from anyone who has a boat or a ship or, or a vessel. And nobody's going to come. And he's like, give me a reason to fight for Bloodhaven. Show me that there are good people here. And then they come. And I don't, like, it's such an easy thing to make me cry. But, like, it does. Sam. It's also a very Peter Parker moment, by yeah. the way. Yeah. 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 You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yes, I was yeah. going to say, it feels very specifically like Spider-Man 1. <laughs> Though I didn't like it there. Sometimes I find it very stupid. I find it very stupid where it's like, hey, we're New Yorkers. Like, like uh, you know. Well, uh, nobody in this book said, hey, we're from Bloodhaven. Okay? <laughs> we stand up for, like, it was just... It was the humanity of the people saying there are children on a pier about to die. We'll go right. save them. And then all of the right. names of the boats were former car- former creators of Nightwing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jurgens was, I, I think, one of them. There was a Jurgens, there was a Devin Grayson, there was like there was a, a ceiling. Mm. Um, yeah, it got me. It got me. Also, uh, Haley the dog. The fact that he named the dog after Haley's Circus yeah. also gets yeah. me. And yeah. uh, I mean, Bitewing was a good name too. Bitewing, <laughs> Bitewing, yeah. Bitewing, and they're like, we could have two names. Well. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't one know if you I, guys have. We'll say about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. oh no, I, I was just gonna say something dumb. I was gonna say like, I don't know if you guys have pets, but like, we call our pets like. There's like two or three names, <laughs> like you know, just depending on how you feel about them. Uh, yeah. But Bitewing and Haley works. What were you gonna say, Lex? I was gonna say I, I just have really appreciated. I, I, I totally agree with like sort of the twist fatigue at the end because throughout the the entire beginning and sort of middle of the issue, I was really appreciating how they set Nightwing up and and even Barbara and Tim in this world that's not in Gotham, that's not consumed with you know Gotham villains. I've always thought that Nightwing needed a, a villain of his own. Like, I know that he's had, you know, run-ins with other characters, but it just, it felt like he was having his own story for the first time, totally separate from Batman. And then you just get into all the multiple twists that felt very court of owls. And uh, so that was kind of meh at the end, but I just, I have appreciated how he has his own story, especially coming off the Rick Grayson stuff. Ugh, yeah. It's just been such a breath of fresh air. I would just like to spotlight how good Bruno Redondo is. Uh, oh, the artist on here? the artist? Yeah. Oh, the art yeah. is amazing Jesus. on this. Oh, it's freaking brilliant, yeah. Some of the best acrobatics that I've seen in a comic, like him and Chris Somni are my two acrobatics guys for right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, I, uh, Nightwing's a really good jumping on, like, uh, you know, comic to jump on if you're willing, if you want to just, like, start three issues back. And like jump onto something mm-hmm. like really good. Definitely a good recommendation. Um, what are let's see. Crazy uh, bit. And I second sand here. This is where I think Tim Drake should live as a character. Um <laughs> we had a nice little short story with him in Urban Legends this month. Um he's you know, it's it's kind of seems like a retread. It's our buddy Megan Fitzmartin that we know who's in our uh, LA underground group. She's writing it. Um it does feel oh like a retread of, oh, the kids are being kidnapped. Let's save the kids. One thing I did really like about that short story was the bringing back of old old uh, Chuck Dixon supporting cast characters. Um, that was like Tim went and had drinks with like one of his old buddies. 
that like existed in the old uh, Chuck Dixon books. Um, mm. But I really want Tim just to live here in the Nightwing book because them as partners, them as brothers, I think just works really, really well. And it's such a different relationship. It's more peas in a pod than like Dick Damien is, you know? Yeah, Tom um, Taylor. Yeah. Sorry. Tom Taylor does a really great job of writing the bat family dynamic. He makes them genuinely feel like family, which is something yeah. that weirdly a lot of writers like struggle with whenever they're writing Batman or something like that, or any other book for that matter. Uh, they have banter that is not just about like mission stuff, mission stuff, mission stuff, mission stuff. They feel like they genuinely enjoy each other's company. And yeah. that's just so refreshing to read in something like this. That's what people have been pointing out about Avengers versus Justice League. And it's something I've brought up on this show before is that like Justice League are legitimately friends and the Avengers are work friends. And there's yeah. a difference. Like Steve and Tony are work friends. You can't convince yeah, me sure. that they're best friends. Right. Uh, uh, but Superman and Clark or uh, Superman and Clark, uh, Superman and, and Batman, Clark and Bruce are legitimate friends. You know, and yeah, I think that like, yeah, completely yeah. right. Mm -hmm. DC yeah, kind of sure. runs on that though right like there's a lot of that like legacy camaraderie teams that ha are families they are like, super friends right I mean yeah but yeah. that's literally the thing I, I you know for a long time I, I always go back to like my era of 90s you know DC is always that that sort of um, Morrison era, Morrison JLA, when all the heroes of the DCU were divided kind of by age group in a weird yeah. way. Like you had yeah. JSA, yeah. and those JSA characters are clearly family, 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 like right. to the core, like they've known each other for 70 years. You have the JLA, who felt a little bit more like work friends in the Morrison run, but yeah, for sure. Once you get to like Brad Meltzer and stuff, you're like, oh, these characters have known each other forever. Then you get to the Teen Titans or the Titans at the time who were like, yeah, we've known each other since we were 11. We clearly all love each other. And then you were at Young Justice, who was like the youngest kids who were just getting to know each other and becoming best friends. And as you know, you saw what happened when Bendis brought back Young Justice. He made that family thing that we grew up together thing a core part of that book. Yeah. Even the JLA uh, at the time was split in into like the younger kids like Connor and uh, uh, what is it Wally and yeah, Kyle who Kyle. were like just right. just yeah. jumping onto the big leagues and then yeah. the guys that everybody knows and they were even like intimidated to sort of be a part of that. I love yeah. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. The Bat Family definitely <laughs> like a good writer definitely shows that they're family and it does take a little bit of a change to writing. To like write family as opposed to mm -hmm. writing uh, work friends or whatever. So well, I really, I really want to know from everybody because we were talking about our top top our top ten lists, and mm -hmm. I want to know what was number one for everybody. Because Nightwing, although I said it was my you know desert island book, was not my number one this week. Okay. Um, does anyone anyone want to run down their top ten? One has definitely changed since I gave it to you. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I read a little bit after that, and there, was, and there was one book that I was like, damn, all right, okay. Okay. Uh, what was I it? Caught up, I caught up with, uh, where is it, with uh, Home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that 
got me really, really emotional and almost drove me to so tears. Good. And I was like, so good. Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, so the, the quick premise is that uh, there is this uh, mom and son who were trying to get across the border. They get separated at the border. Uh, this kid is in, you know, one of the, the cages and he bursts into flames. He's got fire powers and he dips. He leaves uh, and he goes to visit his aunt. And she's like, yeah, you're not the only one. Uh, his, there's our whole family has these sorts of powers and she's trying to train him while keeping him away from the people who want to send him back. Uh, and his mother is, uh, back in their home country and they're, and she's sort of, there's the tension of, Oh my gosh, my son's over there almost alone, but with my, with uh, his aunt and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and there's a scene in this issue where they, they have a, the mother and the son have a conversation and I was just like, Oh God. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Th this story fits particularly home to me because I'm, Latin American, and I'm the son of immigrants, so a lot of the stuff in here just hit hit home in a in a in a real big way. I really liked it. Yeah, well, it looks like we're on issue three. All right, I'm gonna go check this out. That sounds really we, cool. We should we should uh, have the subtitle of Comic Talk be Four Grown Men Cry About Comics" because I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what, what we're doing tonight. <laughs> yeah. Those are always the best. One thing books. or another. That's always what's going to be number one on my list is the one that really got me inside, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, I brought up the pictures of, of home, the two, the two covers from, from this issue. Um, that's your number one, Manny. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Lex, what was your number one? I know you do. Lex does a countdown for Wednesday pool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for his for his show, uh, which is a pretty kick ass countdown, by the way. The your your TikToks on it. Um, Thanks, man. What was your what was your number one? Uh, I think st Static is still my number one. I've been so excited for Static for years, um, and then once they announced that they were bringing it back, I just I I've been waiting on it nonstop. So I was excited, and to not be disappointed, I was excited about that. So that's my number one, okay. pretty easily. And then Gil, what was Gil's number one? Mine was Flash. And oh, okay. it's exactly what you guys were talking about. Like the thing that took it to number one for me was the conversation that Flash has with his daughter. Like, oh, so good. So good. And like, you know, this, this run of Flash has been, it's been good. I like the direction, but like there have been good issues and just okay issues, right? Yeah. And one of the funnest things about this run of Flash is seeing all the weird, fun guest artists who come yeah. in every time. Um, you know, like, remember last month we had this conversation about the last page of last issue, and we're like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's going to be, you know, was it Kevin Maguire is the artist? Kevin right? Maguire, yeah. Kevin Maguire doing Super Friends. Oh my God, that's super fucking crazy and fun, and and, and Wally is in the body of, of Professor Zoom. That's crazy. That ends up being four pages, which is fine. Yeah. It's great. Because the meat of this issue is Wally gets to the kingdom come future and gets to have coffee with his daughter, Iris. And he's yeah. asking every question you would ask if you met your daughter 20 years in the future. Are you is this a leather jacket, Iris? Leather jacket, Iris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. But it's, she doesn't have short hair, which makes me think it is a, it's it's a future, but it, it might not be kingdom come future. But yeah, but it's that uh, it's that outfit. She's it is that outfit, but, it's, that. but it's the Iris we know, who's like yeah. the, the twin sister of Jet. So yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so like they get to have coffee. They talk. He asks all the questions you would ask if you met your kid in the future. Are you okay? Are you married? Are you happy? You know, did you go into the family business? All that kind of stuff. Um, and it's uh, it's very heartwarming. Um, and as many like twists and turns as I saw in other books, like I said, New Mutants was like that's the one that really got me in the heart. Or Supergirl, I was like, what's going to happen next? All of those things. Uh, that were going on Planet of Size X-Men with all of its scope, even, you know, so, so many good books this month. You know, Miles Morales was really good. Fantastic Four was really good. Uh, Heroes Reborn, all these things. Uh, still, what's going to get me to be happy reading a book is just a quiet moment between two characters that I know care about each other. And, like, do, does that move their emotional life forward? Yeah. Um, and that's not something we could have gotten with, well, definitely not with Wally. But in mo with most characters with the new 52, where you take with when you do reboots on these comics, like you take away the past, right? Like you take away any sort of like setup for anything. Um, and so those stakes and that emotional investment are gone. Like when new 52 happened and they rebooted the new DC universe, it's like, why should I care? Because these characters start off from the beginning and a lot of them disappear. You know, you can't have that. Um, and I think this was the best issue of the new Flash run. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely. I, mean, I really like the rest the, were like adventures, but you know. I like the Jay Garrick one. The Jay Garrick one was yeah. really Yeah, that was cool. The but Bart this Allen one's one. definitely. Yeah, the Impulse one was not as good. No. And the Dinosaur one was not that good. Right. Yeah. This is the fourth issue, I think, in the new run. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Manny and Lex, did you guys read Flash? I did not. No, I have not kept okay. up with Flash. Okay. I got to catch up. Yeah. Just like I mean, the Flash, man. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Like, have I, yeah. have I convinced you with this conversation, with this uh, review of this, this particular book? Have I enticed you to check out the last couple issues? Yeah, yeah because Wally is my to. favorite. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lex. No, no, no. I, I definitely want to check it out for sure. Yeah, I think the guest artists are one of the biggest draws to see, like, you know, he's going through all these different eras, like, living inside the bodies of other characters. I think this book had, like, six different guest artists on it doing, like, one page each. Uh, Brian yeah. Hitch gets to do, a, like, a JSA pinup. It's really good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Manny, what were you going to say? Uh, Wally is uh, my favorite fictional character, period. Uh, oh. But I was really hesitant on... Like jumping back into this run because I was like, they haven't been doing a great job uh, with with mm -hmm. Wally at at all. So it's nice to hear that uh, this has been really good. So I'm definitely gonna jump into it pretty soon. Yeah, I yeah. just hated the cover of this one spoiled the ending. That's the only thing that like bothered. did it. Yeah, I mean the the at least the main cover. Yeah, I don't know if there were any um any uh oh yeah yeah or, you're right but... yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, like, that's not the meat of the issue. That's literally the ending of the issue. And you're like, could you guys please have saved this cover for next month? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, but that just means next month is going to have some heavy shit, too. You know? Um, so are you guys Howard in... Collins comes back. Howard Porter comes back. All right, sorry. Go ahead. My bad. I like both of them. Yeah, um, they, they are you guys... That's in this... Yeah. Uh are you uh are you guys reading Heroes Reborn? Mm-hmm. 
I caught up today. I read all of them today. All of them? Oh, okay. Yeah, and there's yeah. not too many, right? No, I didn't read any of the tie-ins, but I just read the main. Oh, you should read okay. those tie-ins. If you, do, you remember, too. do you remember Amalgam Comics? I love Amalgam Comics, yeah. You, then you will love these tie-ins. Yeah, that's sort of the vibe I, I got from reading the main story. I, I liked it more than I thought I would. I originally was kind of against reading Heroes Reborn. I was going to wait it out, but uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Uh, finally, after, like, however many issues of, like, one hero each, and it's slowly, mm-hmm. like, moving at a snail's pace for the plot, we finally get back to the main plot, which is this, like, you know, the world that Mephisto has created, and what does that mean, and where are the Avengers, and we finally get that, um, so I'm just wondering, I'm wondering why we even have this in the first place. That's my thing. Yeah, that's a that's a big question. Well, I do think yeah, it's why a bunch of Jason Aaron Avengers stuff. Like, it's not. It's clearly not supposed to be Empire. It's not supposed to be a big universe thing. This is clearly the next step of Jason Aaron's Avengers, right? Like, Mephisto mm-hmm. is obviously the villain here. Mephisto is who is taking care of all of this, right? Um, and he, the last time we saw him was during King and Black. And so it just feels like a lot of, of pre-King and Black Avenger stuff is coming together, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're going to see what's going on with Blade. Blade was the only character that that wasn't affected by the universe shift. So what was going on there? And we know that, like, Blade kind of took control of, like, the vampire Krakoa that's out there in Chernobyl in Russia, right? Uh, Mephisto, mm-hmm. who we saw at the end of uh, King and Black, kind of take over hell again that he he would been like out of power in hell um we have uh what's her name whisper is that her name who's the new phoenix uh, echo 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 echo. Yeah. So echo just you know we just had the whole um you know phoenix contest over the last like five issues in avengers and this is this seems to me like the effect of that it feels to me like mephisto being like oh we have a new phoenix let's fuck this up like this this is what it feels like it's coming out of that to me i was kind of surprised to see mephisto as the the villain i thought that the villain was going to end up being the phoenix here that this was going to be like the second Mm -hmm. part of that that it was going to be the reality warping of the phoenix and we would have to fix that that's what i thought was going to happen but it might still who knows yeah Hmm. anyone else have thoughts about heroes reborn it was good. one of those yeah. events like i don't know what they're gonna do i don't know what the point is but gil brings up good, some good yeah. points uh lex you were saying yeah i i like mcginnis uh his art style is one of my favorites so uh that's one of the things that pulled me in and then i liked the the split issues like i like that the first half of every issue was focusing on the squadron supreme ever since they came back into the main marvel universe i've been wondering about them and mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool to to get even if it's a fake background to get some background on these characters, a lot of cool moments, especially the uh, Dr. Spectrum issue. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of sad how they callously kill the Marvel people that we know in this universe. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, there was some weed that like kept saying the same thing over and over again. Cause he was talking about Groot and he was like, I dealt yeah. with it and like whatever. And like these people die and he kills Hulk and like all that yeah. stuff. Oh. Uh, kind of sad 
Right, but that's sort of the point of it. Like, that's the point that these characters don't deserve to be the main heroes of the of the Marvel Universe, right? Like, as much right. as they're kind of Justice League analogs, they don't have the heart and soul to be the leaders of the Marvel Universe, which is why they will never be Avengers, they will never be uh, the main heroes here. That's It's showing us, like, why the Avengers matter. Right, right. Um... We shall see how this how this uh, how this works out. Uh, Gil, oh, okay, there we go. Um, all right. Uh, was there any other big comics that you guys read? Because look, I, I'm like I've, I've been honest with you guys. Like I don't read too many indies at all. Even the indie that I wanted to read, Jupiter's Legacy Requiem, I wanted to mm. read it and I didn't get to read it. Uh, I will read it. But that was like the one thing that I wanted to read, and I didn't get to read it. I picked uh, that one up as well. I didn't. I didn't read that one yet. Um, I, I like the bottom. Fantastic Four. I really oh, like Fantastic Four. It, it was it was a hilarious, very Fantastic Four issue. What, what happened? I thought I love everything that's been going on with Doctor Doom over the last year. Yeah. So like his his uh, solo uh, series was super fun and ended in the best. Yeah. That it possibly could have ended. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this was very funny. Um, it was a great issue. This was Doctor Doom's wedding to what's her name, Victoria? Victorious. Victorious. But what's her like name? Name? Something Victoria. Like, uh, her real name is her real name is Zora, but her like name is Lady Victorious. Right, and but I do like that the emotional core of this. I do wish that we had checked in with Sky. Because, like, yeah, that the, was weird. The emotional core of of Dan Slott's run so far has been the idea that Johnny Storm is, you know, has this soulmate, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole point of what's going on with him and Zora is that Johnny has fucked it up again, right? That he yeah. finally found a person who can understand him, who he can fall in love with if he just lets himself go, lets himself Mm. mature. But here, like, literally, uh, I forget who tells him, but someone says to him, yeah, you will, this is your soulmate, you will mess this up, right? And then he goes and sleeps with Zora. And it's so heartbreaking when that happens. Johnny! Yeah, he's a, he messes it all up. He messes himself up and it ends up, not only having consequences for his relationship with Sky, but also for Doctor Doom. Like they were about yeah. to do with Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is always I love stories with Doctor Doom because they're always like, oh, if only we could get this relationship right, we could turn Doctor Doom into a hero. Doctor Doom could be a hero if only we could like not fuck it up. But clearly, you know, it's Johnny sleeping with this woman <laughs> that like you know, that that uh, that screws up the entire universe. And uh, I think Dan Slott, I heard him on an interview say that um, that he that he, they revealed, I guess I didn't see this in the book, they revealed that the cosmic storm that gave them the powers, the reason they, like, that Johnny jumped in, that had to go on the mission, is because he felt the tug to space because Sky was out there. That that this uh, this relationship, this soulmate relationship, has been there since the beginning of the Fantastic Four. 
Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I love the it. gravity of love. It's yeah, there's so this, much there. Go ahead. This issue is good because it the whole thing was was pretty humorous. It sets it up like Dr. Doom asks Reed to be his best man, and everybody's giving him shit about it. And Reed explains through Latveria like sort of tradition, if you are attend if you attend his wedding, then all your slate is wiped clean. Yes. So he's like, I have to, I have to go to this because if we were ever going to salvage or you know stop the bickering between the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom, like we have all scorned him. The only person that he doesn't hate is Johnny Storm, and Johnny's like, uh, well, maybe. And then they go to the wedding. You know, Black Panther's there, Namor's there. They're all there to kind of sort of be on a clean slate with Doctor Doom, and then that then they find out about the you know she hooked up with Johnny Storm and it just kind of this classic yes Dr. Doctor Doom hates the Fantastic Four and it is very uh, sort of deserved because they kind of suck <laughs> if you think about it so it was just a great it was a great issue in my opinion okay um, I need to catch up uh, yeah, but love, now I know how it ends but I'm cool with that this, spot, you know it's the show the uh the just the whole Johnny Sky relationship has been really good. I think everything Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. I started reading Fantastic Four with Empire. I really wasn't reading it before mm-hmm. that. So Empire is what drew me in and got me to start reading it. And everything with like um, that that uh, Ben and Alicia adopted those kids. I think was great. The gateway, oh, yeah. the gateway they opened up was really cool. I think all of these story arcs have been really fun. But completely this. Uh, this ongoing emotional core of Sky and Johnny has really been like, you know, carrying me through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like Ben and Alicia uh, and the two kids. Somebody on TikTok was talking to me about how like just Reed, Reed sucks. Well, I, I posted something and then people, we were just talking about how Reed sucks and how like Reed is lucky to have friends like let alone not deserving Stu. Like he's lucky to even have Ben on his side. And then it's like Ben mm-hmm. shouldn't even be on his side. Like Reed is such a it's funny that you're talking about how like Johnny messed up, but like Reed always messes up because of ego, right? Well that like, was Johnny messes the, up because of impulse. That was the ending of the Doctor Doom series. Was it? What happens? Oh. Oh my god, it's so good. It's Doctor Doom is getting ready to save the universe. Um he's mm-hmm. like gonna shut down this black hole, it's gonna destroy the universe. And it's the funniest thing I've ever read, but it's the climax of the Doctor Doom series is, you know, as Doctor Doom is in the middle of doing it, everything is like super intricate and has to be like exact, you know, super exact mathematical calculations. Uh, Reed gets on the call with him. Like he's like being monitored by the Avengers and everybody. And Reed gets on the call and it's like, uh, Victor, I just wanted to tell you, I think you're doing a great job. And that fucks <laughs> everything up because because Doctor Doom is like, is he trying to psych me out? I have to redo my calculations. I have to like now he like second guesses everything he's doing because Reed decided to compliment him. Like Reed is fucking stupid. Yeah, he really is. But the question is also is, like, did he do that on purpose? Is Reed does yeah. Reed do a little bit of it because he doesn't want you know Victor to like win? But I yeah. would. I would read uh, the Doctor Doom series. It's super fun. And that that last issue just killed me just because uh, you get into the entire mindset 
of Doctor Doom and like how it just completely just tell someone telling him good luck or good job or I'm proud of you just completely fucks him up. <laughs> um, I need to catch up on Fantastic Four. That's all I know. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, does, does anyone here feel like after this episode, we're like, there, we need to catch up on stuff that we haven't read or like there are ones that we haven't. And then we're like, Oh, you're right. That does sound cool. Like anyone swear at home. That home sounds good. It's excellent. Uh, I'm almost, I'm also first generation. Uh, I'm not, I'm not Latinx, but, uh, you know, I, I completely get all of those, you know, mother's child feels completely. (laughs) Did any of you read Ultra Mega? I did, yeah. What did you think? Uh, I, I'm still into it. I like it a lot. Right, it's a Is little it pricey cool? for a, a book, but yeah, I really like it. It's it's rad. I like it a lot too. Yeah. Uh, is 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 it essentially like an American manga type thing? It's like manga inspired uh, American comic. Think. Ultraman, right? Like, you know, dude turns big, yeah. fights giant monsters, except with the, the 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 brutality and the sort of over-the-top violence of something like Devil Man, uh, mm-hmm. which is how James Heron describes it in the letters pages, at least. He was like, I wanted to do something that was sort of akin to, like, the, the direct-to-video weirdo anime that you would find on VHSs in Chinatown sort of deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has done a really good job with it. I am already like a big fan of Tokusatsu and Ultraman and things like that. Yeah, me too. Uh, My man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, me too. So this is like super up my alley. Also, James Heron can fucking draw, dude. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, yeah. All the all the action scenes, all the gore isn't like gross. I mean, it's gross, but it's it's done in in a great way. It's a fun. It's a really fun book. It's almost like a cre- like creative viscera as opposed to just like yeah. something like 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 a Garth Ennis viscera, which is just like look at all look at all the ways mm-hmm. that I can explode a human head. This is more just like all right, we've got these giant crazy looking monsters that have to go from like a small person to like a huge thing. Also, how does a, a giant man uh, get hurt? Because there's something yeah. you really never see in like something like Ultraman or anything. When they get hurt, it's like they get punched or anything, but there's there's never any damage. Uh, mm. sort of interesting to see James Heron going, no, this is a thing that is made of flesh. <laughs> yeah, if you read the uh, first, if you read the first issue, you'll you'll see if if it's for you or not. Because the first issue is really what uh I knew what I was kind of getting into. That first issue, I was like, Yeah, this is right up my alley. So right. after that first issue, you'll know if it's for you or not. I'm looking at it right now. It looks to me like uh like MTV liquid television. Like that's what it reminds me of. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, do you feel like a lot of these books are trying to get animated or live action deals? Sure. Why wouldn't that? Like, is it, uh, I know, right? But is that the goal? You think? Like, that's Mark Miller's goal. Like, I feel like that's the <laughs> only thing he's writing for is to do his real yeah. big like love, and that is like TV. film, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Movies, <laughs> James Heron is doing it for the love of the game. Like he's just like a sequential artist and that's it. Like he doesn't want to, I don't know. This feels like a passion project more than anything. Uh, I really couldn't see this. I couldn't see this on the big screen, maybe animated, but it would be, I think it'd be way out there. Okay. And James Heron has such a 
specific art style, I think, like... It's very dynamic. It's very, like, if you can yeah. see, you know? Uh, yeah. There's a couple of books though that I'm like, ah, this this feels like it's like like Stillwater. If any of y'all read Stillwater this week, yeah, uh, that is uh, no. It, it it that very much feels like a, a book that is set to be like some kind of HBO miniseries or something. Without a doubt, yeah. If I read this many comics, I literally would never get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. There, I mean, there were a good amount of indie comics that that came out this week. Uh, Radiant Black. Did anybody yeah. read Radiant Black? Yeah, I'm on the okay. Radiant Black train. Same. It's the same is thing it, with Tomasatsu Super Sentai. Is it worth it? Is it worth hopping on? Yes, I think. I mean, I think it is. I think it's a. I think it's underrated right now, uh, and I think it's flying under the radar for a lot of people. The first three issues, some people complain about. It's like a. It's maybe slow. I don't think it's very slow, but once you hit issue four and five, it really ramps it all the way up. So I, I'm in 100%. It's on my pull list. All right. I'm on the same boat. I think that uh, I can totally see where people would in the first three issues be sort of like, this is sort of generic superhero fair, but that's any book yeah. that's going to do any superhero thing. You sort of got to get right. that over with before you get to the big yeah. stuff. Even if you look like at Invincible. Invincible. Yeah, it took yeah, like eight yeah, issues yeah. to get to what they were getting for. Uh, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like four something big happens where you're just like, oh, I see, you're going somewhere here. And then this one, you're like, okay, yeah. Kyle Higgins, show me more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it feels very much in the vein of Kyle Higgins' Power Ranger stuff and his Ultraman stuff, where he's taken, mm -hmm. like you said, sort of established tokusatsu concepts and flip, flipping them on their head in sort of different ways. Are any of you guys reading Mighty Morphin? I'm yeah, not. I, I used was... to. What a weird. <laughs> like, what part of this title can we cut off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's make it yeah, much more. All right, cool. Are you are you reading it, Gil? Are you up? I I have no interest in Power Rangers. I was just a little bit mm -hmm. too old for it when it when it was a thing. So I don't have yeah. that same connection to it that a lot of people do. Which you know, I'm very happy people do, and like, it's interesting to to do a serious take on something that's very, very clearly for kids, you know? Um, it It's one of those things, like, like, you know, I never, I didn't read, like, the adult version of Archie, and then I know they kind of, like, mined that for a lot of Riverdale. Um, yeah. But even, like, you know, Power Girls is coming up. Pa Power Puff Girls is yeah. coming up, right? And uh, the, the show? Show. Yeah, and well, it got canceled, and then they're redoing it. It's crazy. Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's with Star Trek, so you know, like that's yeah. how Star Trek became a show, right? Like you never yeah. become the biggest thing in the universe. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's it's one of those things. Like, I, like I I enjoyed Powerpuff Girls, but it clearly was made for kids who were younger than me. But like, kind of had the same like, oh, if you're an older kid, you're still gonna like this. This is going to be weird because it seems like it's reframing a kid's idea in terms of like teenage but not even teenage but i guess 20s drama like you know the 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 leads of it are 20s and 30s so we're talking riverdale or we're talking power rangers powerpuff girls i'm talking about now sorry oh, I went, powerpuff I went, girls. like oh. different topics i'm so sorry that's yeah i was like oh, but I, yeah it's just they're, they're going with powerpuff girls they're going to do the adult version of powerpuff girls and to me that's like well clearly th that 
to me, that seems like it takes the soul out of it. I haven't read the current Power Rangers. I don't know what's going on with Power Rangers. To me, Power Rangers seems like it's supposed to live. It's supposed to be for six-year-olds. Like, that's okay. Some things are okay to be for six-year-olds. And it just seems like they really want to make it like the Green Lantern Corps or something. I think it's in the same vein of what they did with Transformers pretty recently, yeah. where they took something from the 80s that was super super fucking silly and made it into like for transformers they were like let's do a fucking space opera with this but like a real one yeah i mean you're, still I, I never, first... you're never gonna get me with transformers either like transformers, <laughs> that's for entirely different reasons like, transformers, transformers one and three those the, i was i will stand by one and three the movies but yeah the, the, movies. The, the movies the movies you'll never get me to sit down and watch anything transformers uh, robots who are alive do not make sense. I'm sorry. Tell that to Warlock in New Mutants. <laughs> no, I got, got you there. Got <laughs> we were just talking about it too. <laughs> I mean, Warlock is almost more like the Borg. Like there, there is a creator of those of the of the phalanx. Like there was a yeah. creator, you know. It's it's a techno-organic yeah. virus that took over organic things, and whatever it touches becomes that thing. Like that's the Borg. Like I get that. That's a, that's more of a mixture between science and organics. Yeah. Living living machines don't make sense to me. All right, the, I, I'm the, gonna come up with some sort of bet, Gil, to like, and I'm gonna win it, and the bet will be to make you sit down and watch. Transformers. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. All you have to do is invite me over. That's all you have to. Oh, do. okay. I'll sit. And I'll oh, watch, okay. I'll watch whatever the hell you want. I don't care. I, right. I'm just saying. But I'm still gonna leave it being like Transformers doesn't make sense. I. I mean, you're right. You're right. As far as the Transformers movies, I'm not telling you that you're gonna care so much about jazz in the first one. Like, you don't need. But to. in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Bumblebee, maybe. Like, I think that's, like, what people, like, really, res like, they like Bumblebee. And, like, like, the Bumblebee solo movie is pretty good. But, all right. Anyway. make any sense. I'm going to yeah. say, I don't like the Transformers cartoons very much. But no, the, there, there, was a, there was an era of uh, Transformers comics recently that I had, that a friend literally made me read. She, uh, she mm. was like, I promise you, you will like them. And I, and I, and I sat down and read them, and I was like, I hate that you're right. Like, <laughs> hey, good good comics are good comics. Did you read the Transformers Back to the Future crossover? I have not yet. I on my list because that just seems so off the wall that I've got to. <laughs> Everything with Transformers right. is off the wall. Like way back when they did Transformers GI Joe, and I know they did Transformers Ghostbusters. And I usually read anything Ghostbusters. You throw Ghostbusters in a comic. You have sold a comic book, my friend. But, but they, did, they did Ghostbusters Transformers. I was like, no thank you. <laughs> um, before we get going, was there anything quick that you wanted to, uh, that anyone here wanted to, to just uh, get out a blurb about as far as like a comic book before we do closing plugs? I know that, yeah. that everybody read a lot. And I yeah. know that we didn't get to everything, but is there anything that you were dying to, to, to mention? They are doing a little bit of a sleeper, like rising tide thing with, uh, with the infinity stones. It's a bunch of annuals have been going on recently. They did the Iron oh. Man annual last month. 
and this month they did Captain America. So something is going on with those Infinity Stones. Uh, they've they've now infected people. So there are people who are avatars of the Infinity Stones. Keep an eye okay. on that for the future. Let's see where that lands in about I think four more months. We'll see where where that goes. Uh, Superman Red and Blue came out this week, which was a fine sort of compilation of different things. But something in there specifically that got me curious, Mark Wade did a story. And I have not seen Mark Wade yes. work within the DC Universe in a long time. And specifically seeing, on, seeing him on Superman got me very happy. And I'm looking forward to maybe him sneaking his way onto some other Superman title down the line, hopefully. I noticed that too. I was very excited about it. Well, why did we have two Bizarro stories in the same in the same Superman Red and Blue issue? Can anyone explain that one? I, I don't need it. I don't need any bizarro story. Like, I'm good. I mean, look, the one was pretty poignant, right? But, like, I just didn't need two of them. But the Mark Wade story was a, was a mix of Spitlick story, and that was yeah. just... Mm. Ah, now I want to... A good mix of Spitlick story is... Like, his episode in Superman, the animated series, was, like, so good. I still remember it from back in the day. Yeah, um, this is a good one. I mean, it's worth it for. I mean, it's an eight or or eleven page story. It's Mark Wade doing very classic Superman and Mixie. Like, it's just really fun. So I would definitely take a look. All right, all right. Um, Lex, did you have any any final thoughts about any comics that you uh, that we didn't touch on? No, I think we talked about pretty much all my favorite books this week. Yeah, no, we covered most of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get, See, this lost. is what happens when we, when we, when we really, you know, uh, put the work in. You know, we get the job mm. done. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. We're mm. just gonna close up the episode. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Manny, Lex, Gill, for coming on the show, uh, for taking time out of your night. Uh, it's a Thursday night. You guys. I mean, it's college night, y'all. You guys could be be hitting up the. <laughs> The college bars, but you know, you're here on okay. Comic Talk with oh, us. Again. What's up? I said the city is open again. LA is open. Yeah. 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 California opened up, uh, which is New York. Uh, interesting. Uh, Manny, you're out in New York? Yes. Okay. And then oh, Lex man, is out. For you. Oh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> uh, Lex is in Texas, right? Yeah. We've been open for like a year. So. <laughs> nothing's nothing's changed here <laughs> um thank you guys uh for coming out and doing this show thank you to everybody out there who's been watching we got 98 people watching us on volume.com slash the keeg show we are streaming to other platforms so wherever you are even if you're not watching us on volume uh wherever you are if you guys uh are able to like comment subscribe follow do whatever you want on those things we would greatly appreciate it this is comic talk uh it's every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time, uh, where we talk about the comic books that came out that week. So if you guys are looking to get into comics, feel free to ask questions. Uh, uh, come back, watch these Thursday night shows. We always have different guests. We move guests around. Uh, this this episode was lightning in a bottle. Who knows when we'll have this again? Uh, you know, it was random chance. But, you know, we, 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 we made it work. Um, if you are on volume.com slash the key show, create a free account. It is free. You can create an account, talk with us in the chat. Uh, you can upload GIFs or GIFs, if you, however you want to call it. 
you could upload them, create them, upload them, do that sort of thing. That's pretty cool here. Um, but Comic Talk is every Thursday night. Every Friday night is uh, the key back where uh, me and a couple other guests, we kick back, we shoot the shit, we talk about random things, play a game or two, and uh, that's pretty fun. This Saturday, we're talking about LGBTQ representation in uh, in geekdom, in fiction, you know, uh, representation in general. Uh, we are doing that on at 4 o'clock Pacific time on Saturday. Uh, we have guests Holly Scott, uh, Ricky Prieto, and uh, Amanda Castrillo. And so uh, that's going to be a really cool episode as well. We're always doing something here at The Keeg. So follow us on social media, at The Keeg Show on TikTok, at The Keeg Show on Instagram, so on and so forth. Um, as we get going, uh, I want to go one by one and ask you guys if you guys want to say your social media out loud uh, and tell us uh, what's coming up for you, if there's anything you want to plug. Uh, Lex, I'll let you go first. So it's Wednesday poll on all socials, and uh, you can just check out our website, WednesdayPool.com. It has all of our stuff, our podcast, uh, our articles, our reviews, our links to everything. So that's that's pretty much it. All right, cool. And, I mean, and you're on TikTok too, and you got you got a good TikTok thing going. I love I love pushing TikTok just because I don't know. I need to push it. I need to push it more. Got to push yeah. that talk. Yeah, got yeah, it. I gotta push it more. Yeah, um, but awesome, awesome. Thank you for coming on the show, Lex. Uh, Appreciate Manny. it. Yeah, no problem. Manny, uh, what do you got? What's your social media? What do you got coming up? I'm mainly on TikTok at Manny's Picks. I do uh, comics history stuff and a lot of uh, comic recommendations. So if you're looking for that stuff, go there. My Instagram is Manny's.Picks, where I upload the stuff from TikTok, and you also get some uh, pictures of my collection and things like that. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Um, thank you so much, Manny, for coming on the show. Both Manny and Lex, I met you on TikTok. And, like, TikTok's opened a whole new world of, like, creators all around the country, in different countries even, and, like, the ability to connect with each other. I can't express my, like, gratitude, not for TikTok, but for the creators on TikTok that have Mm -hmm. been cool and, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I've connected with. So uh, thank you, guys. And Gil, I obviously... Uh, I did not meet you on I did not meet you on TikTok, so I'm not going to thank the TikTok gods for that. Yeah. But uh, the fact that we're already part of like an LA underground community of comic book uh, yeah. uh, uh, fans uh, is very important to me. Gil, what do you have coming up? What's your social media? All your plugs? Yeah, of course you can find me at GJ Baron. I've been in this chat the whole time. I've been telling people <laughs> the time about the shows I got coming up. Uh, as you know, we, we do this show, your late night show tonight, every month, a different comedian hosts their own talk show. Uh, we recently had Jackie Cation. We had Alonzo Bowden recently. We had, you know, Eric Bauza, who is Bugs Bunny. Uh, this month is Harvey Guillen, who plays Guillermo on what we do in the shadows. Uh, he was also on Zoe's playlist, uh, this past season. Super, super funny guy. It's going to be an amazing show. We do the show entirely in that comedian's voice, in that person's point of view. And uh, and this is a really special Pride Month edition of the show. Uh, we have not only is our guest Doug Jones, who plays Saru on Star Trek, who played, who was in The Shape of Water, who was in Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Uh, but we even have a bunch of awesome shout outs from a bunch of amazing uh, celebrities like Trixie Mattel, uh, is going to drop by to give a pride shout out. 
Wilson Cruz, who also is on Star Trek and people know from My So-Called Life, Nicole Byer, Leonard Maltin, Ken Jeong is coming by, guys. Uh, Karen Fukuhara from The Boys, Jojo Siwa, Drew Drogi, Cheyenne Jackson. It's going to be a crazy star-studded event. It's all on RushTix.com. Get those tickets today. I mean, you will not regret it. There's even a Q&A with, with Harvey afterward that um, you, it's really not going to be to be missed. Um, uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, Gil, I'm going to give you a couple numbers, uh, specifically my phone number to okay. hand to Karen Fukuhara. Um, yeah. And, you know, if it gets to her, you don't even have to tell me. You just you just do it. If, it get, if she gives me a call, she doesn't give me a call, uh, you know, um, we'll, we'll see. You got we'll it, tune it in, man. You might be able to, to catch that number. I got I to gotta shoot my shot. I got to yeah. shoot my shot. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Manny, Lex, Gil. Uh, uh, I am all, all, I'm always looking forward to the things that you guys create, whether it be on TikTok, uh, uh, whether it be your shows, Gil. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, more to come. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you to the audience out there once again. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been Comic Talk. Take care and uh, see you guys next week. Peace.